Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today's show is the best, and before we get started, I hope that I can see all of you at the first Southern Rock Racing Series race and the season opener for the National Rock Racing Association at Winrock Park in Oliver Springs, Tennessee. I'll be there hosting the Hillside Live, so if I don't get to see you in person, hopefully I see you on the live stream, available on YouTube and Facebook. In the comments, give me a shout out, tell me you're from the podcast, and I'll give you a shout out as well. Today's show is a good one, a really good one. I had a really, really good time talking to Justin, and uh, I'm excited about what we have going on here. But first, let's pay the bills. Today's show is powered by RCV Performance Products. RCV, in regards to the UTV world, offers two extremely uh, different but also very high-end products for the UTV market. The first one of those products is the UTV uh, Pro Series, the RCV Performance Pro Series 2 axles. They're designed and engineered to handle the most abusive conditions from trail riding to desert racing. See, I wish that ad that they wrote there, I wish that that said from trail riding to hill killing because there's absolutely nothing harder on those axles than guys like Tim Cameron, guys like Lauren Healy who beat the crap out of him in Johnson Valley, also pretty tough, but I have to say, I would put my money on the toughest stuff being the hill climbing. With years of experience in racing and working with the top drivers in the industry, RCV has been able to develop the ultimate axle solution. The Pro Series 2 axles have been proven to be two times stronger than the OEM shafts, and they're designed to fit all OEM suspension systems 100% manufactured and assembled in the United States. Now the specs for the Pro Series are the CVs are 4340 chromoly body with 300M internals, uh, inner CV plunges two and one quarter inch, 33 spline, 300M axle shafts, and they're designed for extreme racing conditions. They are backed by a one-year warranty against breakage to the original purchaser. Warranty does not cover the willful destruction of a product. Yeah, I would very spiteful towards people that do stuff like that. Now, the product that I will be running this year is the RCV Trail Series. Uh, those axles are their high performance, they, or excuse me, they contain high performance grease to withstand the harshest environment, a heavy duty CV and a heavy duty CV boot, puncture resistant and a more abrasion, excuse me, boost resistor, resi man, I am struggling to read tonight. The heavy-duty CV boot resists puncture and abrasion more than any other OEM boot. The Trail Series axle is manufactured and assembled in the United States, ensuring that this will be the last trail axle you'll ever need. Now, the specs on these CVs feature 4340 chromoly body, 4340 internals, uh, 4340 chromoly 33 spline center bar, DOJ inboard CV for frictionless plunge, and they're designed for hardcore trail riding. Okay, rcvperformance.com, rcvperformance on Instagram and Facebook. That was a little long because uh, I'm having some trouble reading, if you can't tell. Now, next on the list is Supergrip ATV Tires. Guys, I was on the horn today with the president of Supergrip ATV. Absolutely stellar guy. And uh, we were talking about some of the, not want to say renovations, but uh, some of my recommendations to revitalize the Supergrip. I've have seen a lot of, uh, the K9 rather, seen a lot of feedback, excited to see what the next iteration of that tire looks like. If you haven't already, they make two compounds and a couple of different options in the standard, which is going to be more trail, uh, kind of 
gravel road, more road use, the standard compound. That's actually the tire that I've used on my rig primarily. Uh, and then you have the intermediate compound and that's the setup that I actually have on order. It's a softer, higher end, more performance driven compound. It's gonna let, it's not gonna have the life of the standard compound, but uh, it'll definitely outperform. So supergripatv.com and supergripatv on Facebook and Instagram. Next on the list is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. Diddy's Big Block is your one-stop shop for UTV shock tuning and maintenance. Guys, I kid you not, I run an all things UTV Razor Aid Tender Spring upgrade on my shocks and I sent my shocks off to have them tuned by Chris at Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. I will never have a machine that's not tuned by him. Uh, not only did it increase my ride quality, but uh, man, I just really feel like the suspension is actually able to work. It feels like it can actually compress, extend. Trail riding no longer beats me to death and I don't feel like I'm done You know, by a couple hours in. My back's not hurting. Uh, I always make the joke that my kidneys are hurting, things like that. But in all seriousness, I could ride all day long, technical rock crawling, have no issues in the back uh, or spine or fatigue or anything like that solely thanks to the shock tuning done by Chris over at Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. He also does pretty much everything else when it comes to fabrication, buggies, plumbing, wiring, Anything that you can think of off-road related, uh, he's the man. He's also a parts supplier for any kind of shock that you may need. UTV, full-size, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, he, he's your go-to. He's absolutely the best, especially the best uh, when it comes to getting what you need all across the board uh, that I can think of, especially in the Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, East Coast area. Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Facebook and Instagram. Next on the list is All Things UTV. All Things UTV has been with the show for a long time. I actually just pitched their Razor Aid Tender Springs. I run that on all my machines. Absolutely awesome. Glad to have those guys on board. Uh, they also make the Razor Aid Inner Fender Liners. Had a buddy of mine call me and ask me where I got my steel liners for my fender wall because he had a stick come flying through the uh, firewall on his machine this past weekend while he was playing in the snow. Don't have to worry about that with all things UTV. Uh, they're the best. And I'll be looking at getting an RS1 diff kit here soon. Just an RS1 diff and the kit that you need to weld in, to, to, or the plate rather you need to weld in to be 100% done. It's a one-stop shop. All things UTV probably has what you're looking for. Give them a shout, tell them we sent you, and uh, they would greatly appreciate your business. Next on the list, uh, almost done here, guys. Essentially Off-Road. Essentially Off-Road has been the shop that I grew up with. They put my first lift kit on my very first Jeep. Um, rough Country, if you're asking, and also save your money. Don't ever put a Rough Country lift on anything. They're terrible. That being said, Essentially Off-Road also did all my fab work to put my Off-Road Evolution coilover kit on. Excellent job there. And uh, Essentially Off-Road is now doing production two-seat razor cages. He's working right now on a four-seat production cage. Very exciting stuff, and they're crazy, crazy cheap. If I was in the market for a production cage, that would be what I would get hands down because I've seen uh, Blake, who the guy who's making the cages, weld them all together. His artwork, or his welding is artwork. It's absolutely impeccable, crazy, just to the detail, beautiful. So glad to have him on board. Essentially Off-Road, 4x4 on Instagram, Essentially Off-Road on uh, Facebook. 
Last but not least, Infinite Off-Road gives all listeners of the show 10% off with code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S, at checkout infiniteoffroad.com for all your light bars, light pods, whips, wheel rings, rock lights, anything you can think of. They're the brightest and whitest rock lights on the market. They're the only rock lights that have a pure white dedicated emitter rather than mixing colors to make white. So give those guys a follow, infiniteoffroad.com and all that kind of fun stuff. Okay. Thanks, guys, for making it through all the ads. It's been a couple weeks, uh, and when I when I take a couple weeks off from doing ads, uh, they get very long because I fumble over my words and, and try and remember everything. So I'm happy to have the guys on board that sponsor the show, and I try to give them their dollars worth for their support. Today on the show, we have Mr. Let me make sure I get his last name correct. I believe it is Mr. Justin Hove from blown budget off-road now if you're not familiar with blown budget off-road they're primarily a youtube channel and uh their youtube yep justin hove sweet justin got it right the first time uh their youtube videos kick ass to put it just blatantly they're amazing so i've really enjoyed watching them and i've reached out to justin had to get him on the show as soon as possible and uh it's a great time we had a great conversation a lot of tire talk here so uh, I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. Make sure you guys support Justin. Go follow Blown Budget on YouTube. All that fun stuff. And without further ado, the great and powerful Justin Hove. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. for live right now yep so we are live right now and yeah so it is on the racing on the rocks facebook page and uh i think as soon as everything gets wired up here uh we're gonna start seeing some folks roll in all right i'm gonna go ahead and share it right now to uh to my facebook page then absolutely and the beauty of racing on the rocks is it is completely uh unfiltered unrehearsed everything it is cut <laughs> and dry as it gets man so That's awesome. I, i'm down yeah man i i enjoy or well i guess the thing i enjoy most about doing this show is is it really is authentic and and i feel like sometimes i put on my like i don't want to say like announcer voice but like my professional voice and and, and really i tell people my opinions on everything regardless yeah. if it's you know tires or political views or whatever it may be. This is just a conversation between two people. It does suck that we're not face to face. We, we yeah. talked about that before we got rolling here. Um, but you know, especially with COVID and all that stuff and the distance, it's nice to at least have some conversation about this. Yeah. I mean, this wouldn't have been possible for me. Like we're, we're, yeah. we're so far apart, you know, so yeah. definitely a plus side of technology, I'll say. Absolutely. Okay, everybody. Uh, we're going to get this ball rolling here. I'm Jesse from Racing on the Rocks, and this is Justin from Blown Budget Off-Road. How are you, Justin? Good. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Uh, enjoying the new baby life. You told me uh, when we were doing our scheduling that you will be joining the new baby life here very <laughs> soon. Uh, yeah. Are you excited? I am. I am. A couple more months, and uh, I'll, be, I'll be right there with you. So, Is it a boy or girl? Girl. Girl. Oh, so yeah. let's Listen, I have a seven-year-old stepdaughter who is the greatest thing in the entire world. Boy, like I have neighbors that come over and like neighbor kids that come over and play and stuff like that. But uh, and and 
I, I see what it's like to have a seven-year-old boy, but yeah. dude, my my girl is like full of attitude and sass, but at the <laughs> same time, she is completely sweet. It, there's something just so sweet about having just this sweet like little girl. So there's there's checks and balances. I know every guy yeah, like right. boy and stuff like that, but oh, dude, yeah. God, it's I'm such a salty for for my. <laughs> uh, but anyways, how you doing, man? How's your day been? It is uh, 8:23 where I am, and I'm excited to have you on the show. Pretty good, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm out here in Wisconsin, so you know, for those of you guys wondering, we're from Wisconsin. I think we're getting another like freaking three to six inches of snow right now. I got like two feet on the ground up here. Oh my but, god! Um, just hungered down in my shop, getting uh getting the old Can Am there ready for our trip out west to Sand Hollow. So like he would like you were just saying, you know, got a little one on the way. So trying to knock out these big trips and uh and get some content wrapped up so that way I can hopefully push through the lull of, of having the little one there and, and kind of have a filler for you know when things get hectic at home. Yeah, that was my plan. So <laughs> I like I I if I could show you my calendar, I had people lined up for like every week to do the show, but it's one of those things where you know something happened and then I just it, it just fell apart completely. Uh, so I'm glad that you could make some time for me because we scheduled this yesterday. So yeah, I spent my Friday and Saturday. Uh, hanging out with my boy, feeding him, and just on the couch watching some of your videos. And I told you this again before we got started. One of the things that made me want to get you on the show was the quality of what you guys do. But before we jump into that, because I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, I want to know yeah. a little bit more about you, uh, about what you do. You've got a Mustang back there. You've got an X3. Yeah. You have a giant, like a very spacious shop back there. So what do you do outside the off-road world before we dive into all this fun stuff? Yeah, for sure, man. So I'm a, I'm a electrician. I'm in the trades. I got in right out of high school as a five-year apprenticeship, went to school after work. So, you know, just grinded through those five years. It was a long five years. But when I got out of that, you know, making good money in the trades, I, I work in the Chicagoland area, which is big, obviously big city. So the scale is up. Um, a lot of people wonder where you get your money, but I mean, it's a lot more than that. I started before side-by-sides. I started into the car industry big um, and never really fell into the trap of like building a car or a truck, but I would always buy them, make them look cool, put exhaust on them and wheels and tires, lift kits, and then I'd sell them. So mm -hmm. I flipped my way you know, far into the Jeep world, we'll start with. And uh, I was, you know, me, Josh and Billy. So for, for those of you guys that don't know, um, you know, we're a YouTube channel and there's three of us, me um, and then Josh is my brother and then Billy is our buddy. And we all started wheeling Jeeps together. And that's how, um, that's how we met Billy was through the Jeep world. And obviously me and Josh are brothers. So we just kind of did the same thing. But <laughs> um, I had a tube, it was a, a stock car chassis. So like there's a, there's an oval track up in our town for, for racing stock car and sprint cars. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up getting a chassis from that. This was after the, you know, the beat down Cherokees kind of left. And yeah. I was, <laughs> I was like trying to build something cool, cooler. And those things are rad too. I, I want to get another one one day, but that's another, yeah. another topic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I ended up finding a stock car chassis that somebody had put a four-wheel drive drivetrain into and basically tore that thing all up, had to rebuild everything on it. 
and it was it was a money pit. I mean, <laughs> you know how it goes. And and it was it was basically to the point where like I was breaking everything that um, that was already done. So if I didn't rebuild it, like the link bars, the steering, the brake system, like all of that, if I didn't rebuild it, I would break the next piece of the puzzle on that ride. So I was like, man, this is terrible. Like, I don't want to go explore and go wheeling. Unluckily, I don't live in Tennessee or an area where wheeling is close by. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm traveling far just to break the next link bar. And I, at the time I couldn't really afford to go full send and just build or buy all of it, you know? So I was like, you know what, I'm going to get a side by side. And that's actually what started that was I wanted to get like a backup rig and it completely spiraled into now I don't have a Jeep, you know, and the side-by-side industry just kind of took me. And uh, sometimes I wonder if it was the right call. I mean, we're, we're so hard on everything that it seems like there's very good options to build a Jeep and, and full size rigs these days. And, um, you know, the built parts for side-by-sides, like they hold up, but you know, the tires just keep getting bigger and, and they're struggling to hold up to that stuff, you know? So, yeah. um, started me, in the RZR 800. Let me interrupt. Sorry, That'd yeah. be fine. Uh, so I want to ask you about the Jeep life because I came from there as well. I had a Jeep JK on like the off-road evolution coilover setup and I wheeled it once and I was like, really? this is junk. I hated it. <laughs> really? I, I had like a 1998 TJ. It yeah, was on, I had those. <laughs> like I had the whole, I had that. And then I was like, no, I want something nice. And I wheeled it and I was like, this is just not what I want. And I was so upset about it that I got out of that. But in the past probably month or two, especially watching King of the Hammers, I've been really contemplating building a full-size machine again. Yeah, yeah. When you say that there's good options for, you know, Jeep parts, things like that, what is tempting to you right now? Uh, I mean, I guess the biggest thing is, is like back then I was on a budget, you know, I, I was fresh. I was still going, still going to school and stuff. I didn't have all the money to buy the best of the best parts back then. And, uh, but now, I mean, if, if you got the money, you can build a bomb proof setup and obviously all the bouncer guys out there, they're the ones proving that, you know, and as far as, I, I don't know, I, I don't think I'll switch back. I mean, I love UTVs and, and they're, they're a riot. Plus, you know, it's what we're doing here with all, with the YouTube stuff. And that's like a whole nother commitment. And it's, it's super fun to, to go out and explore the country as fastly or as quickly as we can. So like, that's my biggest downside of the full size rigs is, you know, you just can't, unless you have a KOH car that can go 25, 30 miles an hour down the trails, it takes so long. And we're from Wisconsin. So when we travel, 10 hours to Tennessee or 20 some hours to Utah. Like we want to cover as much of that park as we can. And that's where I just, I don't think I could get out of a UTV because, you know, we hit the gnarliest trails we could find, but there's a lot of ground in between those trails. So. Yeah. I think about Windrock a lot, like about a big, like getting back into a full size. I think about how much I love Windrock and I think about how long it takes me to go from G1 to anywhere that I actually want to go ride a trail. Yeah, Did for you guys get a chance to ride 12 when you were there? Yeah, yeah, we hit that one every time, yeah. 12 is my, like, heartfelt <laughs> love, that trail. And, That's a cool uh, trail. Especially, like, 
you know, it doesn't have to be like the middle of summer, but that early spring when everything's still kind of wet and the creek's running really well. I love yeah. it. That's just my absolute favorite. But aside from the fact that 12 is a side-by-side trail only, I think about how long it really takes to get there. And, you know, you can ride trails almost the whole way there. But yeah, I, I remember I was there in a 900 XP one time and I rode all day. We did 12. We did a whole bunch of things. And my Jeep club at the time from like college, they were there and they ran half of 16 in okay. one day. And I was like, really? yeah, dude. And and maybe they just had like a rough day. But I yeah. think when it was like dusk and I was coming past 16 on G1, like they were coming out of 16. And I was <laughs> like, dude, that is so that's so slow. It's so bad. Yeah, That's my biggest complaint, too. I think that you're spot on there. But. You've been to places like Hawk Pride, uh, yeah. you've been to you know these parks that are a little bit more like centralized in terms of the trail stuff. That is what's tempting to me to go get like you know maybe a nice uh, Jeep buggy or something like that. Yeah, Hawk Hawk Pride was would have been cool in a full size rig because the trails were just right next to each other. You know, it was just gnarly, and then you turn left, and it's gnarly right there. Have you ever been there or no? So I haven't been to Hawk Pride yet. I'm going. Okay. To- in August is there's a Southern Rock Racing Series race in Hawk Pride. Uh, I'll be okay, there. For cool. My I'll, my machine will be down there with me too. So anybody that wants to there ride me around, I'll need some help because I think you know I want to hit the big slab wall. I want to do uh, what you know all the the big trails there. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I need I need when you're there when you're there. Hit pocket change. Pocket change. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll make a note for it. <laughs> uh, I, so that, my, that one's intimidating, but. So is it is it super steep or is it just rocks? Um, it's like a rock face uh, halfway up, like the hill. It's uh, it's basically like one of the main hills that you see all the RBD videos from. Oh, okay. But um, when we were there, it was really fun. But I do think they they filled in the dirt a little bit at the bottom, so it was probably a little bit unfair. Because um, mm-hmm. it, it's at some videos, man, it looks gnarly. And on our video, I mean, it was it was no joke. It, the video is actually not out yet, but it was no joke. But it was still just uh, probably one of the most fun hills or climbs that I've ever done. I mean, okay. no, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. But yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to ask you that question later. So so keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, sorry to interrupt you. I wanted to talk about the Jeep stuff because uh, I've re- like it's really been in the back of my mind, especially watching, I think, uh, Tony Jenright. Uh, he ran like a, I don't actually, I don't think it was Tony trying to remember who it was. I think it was maybe Eric Miller. He ran the rock crawler JL and King of the hammers. And I was like, dude, that, that I can do it. I could do that. (laughs) And that would be pretty cool. But I think that, you know, 120 grand for a weekend car is probably not what I need to be spending for that. Yeah. So you got an 800 and then it went. And then, uh, the 800 was fun. Things kind of spiraled, you know, the newest of the new was coming out. Um, then I, I ended up into a XP um, XP Turbo, so the 64 wide. It was a 2018. Um, I didn't have that too long. So that's when we kind of shifted from um, straight up rock crawlers and Jeeps to side-by-sides. And uh, so I had that. My brother had an XP 1000, and then Billy bought a... Uh, YXZ, so Yamaha YXZ, and that's where <laughs> that whole rabbit hole began 
because when we kind of got out of the, when we were getting into the side-by-sides more, we're like, let's go check some stuff out. So we went down to Black Mountain in Kentucky for our first like um, Southern trip, you know, we're like, let's go to Black Mountain. We went down there. We were just brought side-by-sides. We still had our full-size rigs at the time, but it wasn't worth trailing across the country. Um, yeah. It's easier to share a trailer, which is another huge plus side. Yeah. You can put multiple side-by-sides in a trailer. I mean, you guys know. But uh, went down there. I broke. I blew my diff and my turbo on the, the stock big horns. Um, Josh's diff was chattering, and his 1,000. It was just... I mean, granted, we put the beat down on them, you know. Yeah. At the time, that was back when, like, the built diff wasn't really, like, out there for everybody yet. Like, they were being prototyped and things like that. And that was actually the second diff I had blown in my turbo. And my buddy had blown the trans in his turbo. And I was just like, nice. yeah, I'm like, man, I'm out. I'm out on the Polaris game. Yeah. And Billy's over here just reveling at her dump, beating the absolute crap out of his YXZ, I'm like, you know what? They're stick shifts. They're not made for what we're going to do, but they can take a beating, so let's do it. So, you know, I, I sold my turbo, and actually, I guess you could call it a downgrade. I don't know, but I went to a YXZ and bought a used, so I got a decent deal on it with gear reduction and stuff already installed. So it was it was set up okay. Um, and then just went down the rabbit hole of basically breaking – a lot of stuff on the YXZ. <laughs> Basically, yeah. what it boils down to is, no matter what I drive, I'm going to break it. So, well, that's a that is a great lesson to learn now, because I feel like after you accept the fact that there is no perfect machine, you can really start making uh, unbiased judgments when it comes to yeah. like all of them. Now, I want to ask this too: uh, Have you seen the new uh, the YXZ patents that got released with like the solid axle in the back type? It's not. Yeah, I mean, Axel, what do you think about that? That's it's interesting. I mean, I I really feel like um, the YXZ, like Yamaha, needs to do something to to get back into the swing of things, and and maybe we'd look at them again. I know I know a lot of the people that watch our channel came from YXZs, and that's why they watch us, and they'd really love to see us back in a YXZ. Which maybe <laughs> one day, you know, we're we're looking to invest all the money we make off the YouTube videos into like a channel machine mm-hmm. is our goal. Um, and we're just kind of waiting for like the next new thing to try and do that, which a YXZ with a solid axle or, you know, I think in that same patent, it showed a turbo. So I don't know if like a yeah. stock OEM factory turbo, I haven't looked into that too much. Um, mm-hmm. Been too busy editing and, sure, <laughs> and yeah, traveling maybe. and stuff, but. Yeah, it's 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 easy to get super busy. I know that yeah. like I've, I've got like four different jobs. It feels like I have my main job and then three different side things to keep me busy. And and it's amazing that anything gets done. But <laughs> one of the things I thought was really interesting was that the YXZ had a in the patent. It was going to come stock with a bypass in the back. Now, yeah. how familiar are you with like shock tuning theory? Like, uh, I'll be honest. I'm I'm not real good at with that stuff. I I haven't really dived into that yet. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's kind of where where things are going. I need to learn more about it. But I'm I haven't messed with it too much. Like these things ride so much better than any Jeep or full size rig I've ever had. So it's like I feel like I'm riding on a cloud compared to those. So I've never really dived into you know getting different suspension and stuff. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say this. If, if they could figure out a way to have 
so first off, bypasses aren't legal in Ultra Four uh, on a on a UTV right now, which I think would probably that or like works would be probably the ma the main application for something with bypasses on it. Um, I think if I don't know, there's one rock bouncer uh, UTV who has bypasses right now. I would like to pick his brain to see if it made any real adjustment, but it's a really interesting concept because uh, essentially what happens is the coilover just becomes a a placement holder for the coils, like the actual springs itself. And okay. then all of the adjustment, all of the shock tuning uh, is done on the bypass side. So it becomes a lot like a much more fine tuning uh, situation where, you know, you can tune a third of the piston, the second third, and then the last third, all yeah. different. Either way, I thought it was pretty interesting stuff. It doesn't really, apply. Yeah, I mean, like trail riders, you're never going to use it, but it's cool. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked rad. It, it's cool to see them throwing something out there out of the box too, you know? So cool to see Yamaha starting to step up and uh, maybe take a step towards the big dogs. I don't know if they came out with something like that with, you know, yeah. turbo factory. Like, I mean, that car, I will say this, like that is probably the strongest built suspension car that of all of them that, you know, we've wheeled, like we mm -hmm. literally drove those things <laughs> into walls it felt like with stock arms stock everything as far as suspension goes and we never once bent an arm ever did anything we've rolled them over over and they're 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 built man like as far as that goes the drivetrain different story they're you sure. know everything's weak in stock form for for what we're doing but um yeah we i mean we were breaking the drivetrain but that's what's that's what piques my interest so much is like if they did come out with something like I, I feel like it would be good quality because not only would they learn from the YXZ, but that thing was was a tank in itself. So I don't know. It's kind of my standpoint on the YXZ, the Yamaha. I I hope they they do come out with something like that. It'd be real cool to see what it does out there in the industry. Yeah, I, I think something that's I, and I'm gonna leapfrog just a little bit, and I'm gonna come back like I normally do. Uh, you you have a very you've had like all the machines, and you have a good idea about all of them. And one thing about your videos is that you break things down, you know, almost throughout the continuously throughout the video. Like the reason that I got hung up here, like I watched recently your trail 39 video at Winrock and yeah. like first hill, you get stuck and you're like, I think that this is a wheelbase thing. And like, I'm just a little lower and I'm pretty right. sure Turbo S is going to just walk it and it walks it. And you're like, eh, that was it, you know, yeah, this, right. and then, you know, 30 seconds later, you're going up the kind of elbow climb on 39 yeah. and you, you just whoo right up it, man. And all the razors seem to have big issues. So, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to see that somebody enjoys that stuff. Cause you know, we'll get comments of, Oh, quit making excuses. You know, you just had to hit it. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, dude, I'm not trying to make excuses. I mean, maybe sometimes, you know, but like most of the time it's just trying to, you know, show you guys and relate with like the viewers on, kind of have them our goal is to try and like bring you guys with us you know yeah and, yeah. and i feel like the relation of that like being able to relate and and see not only that but like show kind of like why we do the suspension and the things we do like the, all the high clearance because it's like one rig doesn't have high clearance trailing arms it's game over you know like he, yeah. they just get hung up on everything yeah it's so, so i'll say to that uh my machine i've got now is the first machine i've had with high clearance trailing arms and I am astonished at the yeah. difference. I mean, it's like, it's only an inch and a half or so. That's the difference, but 
I used to beat the crap out of those stock razor arms. And I don't think I've ever, I don't, I haven't even hit my ORB ones once. It's pretty amazing. The difference. Yeah, it really is. So I want to ask, uh, your, your takeaways from the YXZ, what was their, uh, give me your, t- your two favorite things and then your two least favorite things about that machine. Oof. Um, so or give me general thoughts. How's that? So I, I'll go with definitely my favorite thing was the fact that the stock suspension, like I just talked about, I'm not going to get into it again, but the stock suspension was legit. Like it was super strong. You couldn't drive a Can-Am with the stock A-arms into a three foot ledge and hit it like a jump. <laughs> like some of the stuff we're doing, you know, like yeah. it's the only way to get through the stuff is to hit it with speed and jump through it. And, and it, we got that mindset because of the YXZ. They didn't, they don't crawl very well. You mm-hmm. got to use momentum. They have no, no torque at all. So like, unless you're up screaming them, it's the only time they're making any kind of power. But so I'd say the fact that they're that strong is, is really cool. Um, I'd say probably the biggest downside of the YXZ is the, the aftermarket support is, is super low for what we're doing. You know, I mean, I get that there's companies out there for like the desert stuff and, you know, unfortunately that's not what we're doing. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's hard to build the ultimate car for what we got going. It's like, yeah, we could have long traveled it. We could have made it ride good. We could have put a turbo on it. We could have put, I don't know if you've heard or seen about the crawl box that's out for them. No. Um, so that's like a almost from what I understand, I haven't looked too much into it because I obviously don't have YX anymore, but it's uh, it goes in the drive line. So like in place, like it'll go down drive line from where the transmission is and it just reduces the gearing down and you can select it. So kind of like a transfer case on a Jeep. Yeah, that's cool. It's but, a, that's really cool. Yeah, but it's big dollars. I mean, I think it's like five grand, you know, so it's like that's a little, that's a little too much. <laughs> right. And by the time you do that and long travel and a turbo kit, it's like, dang, dude, you're up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and then still our biggest problem was, you know, blowing front diffs, which is kind of a running joke. I actually see a couple of comments over yeah. in the chat about blowing diff off road. Cause yeah, we got that figured out. You know, if, if there's a diff out there to be blown, we'll, we'll get it. But, yeah. um, and, and there was no, at the time there was nobody working on, a built diff. So it's like, it's hard to build a car knowing that. <laughs> yeah. You have a major weak point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of spirals, you know, and uh, I don't know if we're there in the conversation, but like why, one of the biggest reasons I chose um, a Can-Am was coming from the, you know, I was blowing discs in my turbo RZR, which I understand there's good options out there for that now, but back mm-hmm. when I chose it, there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when I went to the YXZ, it was the same thing, you know, blowing diffs with nothing to do about it. And then Can-Am had the halo, the built billet halo diff. And I was like, man, if I blow this smart lock, which supposedly was pretty strong, it turns out <laughs> wasn't that great, really. Um, I'm like, at least there's a built out option out there for me, you know, mm-hmm. which, uh, which I've only wheeled on it once. And that was a on our last adventure to, to Alabama where they took the rigs, took a beat down for sure. Alabama was savage, but yeah. Well, so you, you go from the YXZ, you go straight to the X3 you have now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, humor, that was me, a jump. humor me before we get into that machine though, because I, the one thing that I don't like about Can-Am's marketing strategy 
is they have the X3 DRS, I, I think, X3 Turbo R, Turbo R. <laughs> There's a lot of options. Out and there, I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, okay, I get that you have like a 64-inch, a 72-inch, and then I want naturally aspirated or turbo. Just give me four. Yeah. And that's all right. I need, but there's, it seems like there's a lot more options than just four. Yeah, there's, there's a lot out there and, and they switched out a lot of options between them. So like, you know, I really wanted the smart lock diff because the Visco lock diff came and still comes in some of them. Mm -hmm. And the Visco lock was just not gonna work for what we were doing. In hindsight, if I knew that I actually was gonna blow a smart lock diff, you know, I like to think that I have decent throttle control yeah. When I'm stock, you know, like now that it's built, you know, I'll, I'll lay into her cause it should, <laughs> it should take it, you know, but I love, that. um, but in, in stock form, you know, I try not to land on the gas, you know, unless you have to, but, and, and the Visco lock, I mean, it's just not true four wheel drive at all. So right. it's just not capable. So then you got to like pick the right machine that came with a smart lock and made sure you didn't get the one with the Visco lock, but in hindsight, like I was saying, if I were to do it all over again, I probably would have bought like the base model um, with the with the Visco lock because I pretty much replaced all the stuff anyways. So it would have been cheaper to go that route. But, you know, here we are. You live and you learn. Yeah. So you get your X3, the, you know, first first ride, you take it out. Did you have any adjustments done to it yet? Or was it just pretty much bone stock? You wanted to see what it was like? Um. I put Rockzilla's on it right away. Yeah. Um, Listen, for everybody watching, we're going to have the great debate. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, Josh actually ran 30-inch non-sticky Rockzilla's on his YXZ. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's when we really seen the true potential because there was, like, almost – they were out wheeling us, and we ran carnivores, me and Billy, on our YXZ. So all three of us had YXZ's. And, uh, and we were running carnivores, and the non-sticky Rockzilla was, like, just glued to stuff and we're like man that's impressive mm -hmm. so then when i got the can am i'm like all right i want to go to 32s because mine mine's a 19 so it came with 30s mm -hmm. um factory so i'm like i want to put 32s on it and uh and i want to try the new sticky rockzilla so as soon as it was new i got 32 rockzillas for it and i took it out to our local park and found the first weak link which i knew was a weak link but i had no idea it was that weak of a link and that was just the uh, a lower radius rod, um, just like hit in a rut and bent. So I mean, super common problem on these things, but not not too big of a deal, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it it's kind of sucks that like you just know that there's more money to spend. And yeah, it is like it's part of it, but part of me thinks you know if these manufacturers could get with a company like L and W, for example, and just say, hey. For you know, we bought we bought five hundred thousand sets of radius rods, and if you want to pay an extra two hundred bucks or two fifty or three hundred or four whatever it may cost, because you know dealers price things very oddly, uh, but if you just do that, <laughs> right. it'll just come with this, and it'll save you the headache of trying to get them on there, taking it off of a part, and all this and that. Because you know, anytime you get a machine, you're gonna rip it down the road. You're gonna you want to go now, and uh, I just wish they would they would kind of get in with aftermarket support. I don't know. That's a, yeah. It, I, think, kind of I mean, that, that would be really cool, but I, then, I mean, the prices are already so high on these things that, I mean, what are they going to be 40 grand if they were working with the aftermarket companies, you know? 
It's true. Let me ask you this. Uh, what, how, how much is too much for a side by side? Because Oof, are expensive. I mean, yeah, I got stupid money in that thing. <laughs> it's it's sickening I'm, when you write it down on paper. It's like, I don't even want to add it all up because it's just, it's thousands after thousands and it's just like, what is happening, you know, but yeah. here we are, it's built, it's done. So right. right, it should be legit, but um, I don't know, like back to the point of, I mean, I think that's what the, sp the speed UTV was going after, right? Like going built right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they were more along the lines of like, um, like covering, like, like we were saying with built uh, radius rods, built, suspension components to where you wouldn't have to do that stuff yeah which is definitely cool i hope that is uh a real thing Dang. that goes out to like the market you know the everyday guy like you and me mm -hmm. that'd be really really interesting to see how that does and how the, the components actually do hold up but have you seen the video of it running i've seen i've seen some videos i've seen the one where you like jumped concrete the barriers that divide like the interstate and it's like holy crap you know Part of me, look, if he, if Robbie Gordon or any super speed UTV purchasers are listening, listen, I hope that that's real. I've yeah. seen videos of him coming out in the desert. Like there's one video he's like going down he goes up on a ridge and goes around. And I swear to you that it was two, two and a half times the regular speed of a video. I was like, it just doesn't, it looked like a rock, like an airplane maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. And, and I don't believe I, I like, I'm sure it'll come to fruition one day, all this and that, but I just like, there's no way that for 40 grand, you're going to get this, what I'm seeing here because yeah, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't make sense. You know, BJ Baldwin truck does that. And it's yeah you know, right. like the, there's, the, it doesn't make sense. My brain, my, my monkey brain that cannot compute that that makes sense. <laughs> right. It's crazy. And it's, and it's like one of those things where the price tag really scares a lot of people. And it's like, dang, how could you go that high? But if he truly is coming built like turnkey freaking race car right out of the box, I mean, you know, that that's impressive. That's mm -hmm. for the guy that doesn't want to find every freaking weak, weak link or along the way, you know, like I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, well, get it. I, get it. I don't know. So but, you're, um, you're in the X3. Uh, I yeah. think it, I think it's probably an appropriate time. We got a good audience in here and everything. So, you <laughs> so yeah. tell me tell me about it. How did how did the Rogzillas compare standard compound versus uh, their competition? Because I've only owned the competition version. The comp the competition as in the the canines. Uh, I'm sorry, the soft version of the Rogzillas. Oh, uh, I gotcha. Rogzilla versus the soft Rogzillas. Okay, so we've uh, it, that's super hard to compare because we've only actually wheeled with people with the stickies, other than Josh when he had thirty inch um, in the standards. Which it's so hard to compare with a YXZ because we were, you know, we were running like ten inches of ground clearance with no high clearance suspension, and so it's like, and you couldn't crawl; you had to use momentum. So it's like it's really hard to tell the true difference. But what I can say on the Rockzilla is, I'm running a sticky. I've got a 950 miles on that set of tires and and they're i mean they're, they're on their way out but dude i can't believe that i have that many miles on a set of stickies that hook up that well so it's like and and i'm by no way sponsored by maxis you know yeah. i wish because i love their tires but yeah so um, so we had a brief discussion just to kind of clear the air here we had a brief discussion <laughs> I, my podcast is sponsored by super grip however 
I am not someone to blatantly disregard facts or you know say things that aren't true. So I'll be the first to say uh, when I ran those tires, it's like cheater tires. They're yeah. incredible on how they hook, especially like wet rock. It seems to be just to like it's like oh this is a wet rock versus anything else. Oh it's cool. I got it. I can do anything. Yeah, they like to they defy gravity. I think in some in some spots it just it's crazy. I don't know. Now, it's an impressive you, tire for sure. It is. Now, and again, you know, any tire company can make a soft compound tire, but do you think that it's the crazy outside lugs that really make the difference? I think I think the the amount this is just my opinion, sure. but I think the surface area that the that the Rockzilla really covers really gets that traction on the rock because you got so much rubber grabbing the rock at that time. Mm -hmm. And just the quality of the the compound is like the biggest thing. So I won't name names, but like another tire, we haven't talked about it in this podcast yet, but <laughs> they're super soft to touch that yeah. Billy ran. So, you know, those of you guys that are watching from Bone Budget, you'll know what tire we're talking about. But talking those about ones, <laughs> no, 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 we're actually not. No, so this is the Warrior. Oh. So, so Billy fell into the deep end of the Warrior yeah. Um, and uh, and the the tires seem so soft, and we're like, man, maybe it'll be a little bit more aggressive for the mud and snow and stuff that we ride in sometimes, you know, than the Rockzilla because the Rockzilla does not do good on snow and ice. But we don't really ride that. Even though we're from Wisconsin, we don't really like riding that stuff. We head south and hit the rocks. But yeah. so when the Warrior came out, we're like, oh, it's a sticky tire. Let's try it. So Billy went with that on his Turbo S that he just got at the time when the warrior was it was the second revision of the war of the warrior too mm -hmm. and uh and they just didn't hook up nearly as good as a rockzilla and the the compound would legitly just flake off like like right. if, you know how with a sticky with jeeps like yeah. you get on our obstacle you you heat them up a little bit and like you almost just like glued to it mm -hmm. well when he would do that it because it wouldn't just crawl it it would legit flake off like like pencil eraser shavings wow you know we're we're left on the rock it wasn't like a black rubber mark you know like you just did a burnout it was yeah. legit like pencil shaving like eraser shaving Ooh. so um honestly it seems like the the compound of the rubber is just key and i don't know what they used on that but <laughs> the yeah, rock, but so they got it nailed so i i sponsor one driver who does some rock bouncer stuff and uh, he he ordered some uh, warriors through me, and they came in. They were thirty twos, and I was really surprised at how deep the lugs were. Yeah. And it, it is kind of cool because they have like a little lug on top of a big lug, and, yeah. and, and to the touch, I was like, "Man, these are crazy soft." Because you can almost turn a whole lug ninety degrees. But he's, it's so funny you say that. He actually put them up for sale like last yeah. week. So yeah, I right. ask him because I thought they were doing really well for him. All I'll say is, is we, we went to Moab um, with a fresh set of warrior sticky 32s and trailered to every trailhead because we weren't legal to drive on the streets through Moab. Mm. And they were probably 50% tread when we were done after a five day trip. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, Moab is rough on tires, you know, it's like riding on sand paper, but yeah, but, and the Rockzillas were still, you know, good. And, and for some of those guys, you know, my Can-Am didn't make it through the Moab trip, had some technical difficulties, but um, we did have multiple rigs out there with us that were running Rockzillas. And, you know, you couldn't even tell a life change for when they left 
mm-hmm. um, Moab versus the the Warrior. So, and and I like I've like I told you before the podcast started. I, I'm not here to bash people's product, which maybe it may sound like it no, at this I'm- point, but we're just we all just really like to tell it how it is. Um, we're not sponsored sponsored by any tire companies, and maybe this is why. But yeah. <laughs> you know. I'll echo what I said earlier, though. There's value in just talking. And again, that's one of the beautiful things about the podcast is really we're just having a conversation because, you know, this goes into the guy who's listening to this, who's like, you know, had the warrior like, oh, I'd like to try that tire someday. You just, you know, may have saved them 1200 bucks a disappointment or whatever it comes out to. So uh, I think it's worth it. And I think that when you put something on social media, like in writing, like, you know, if someone posts a picture and like, you know, oh, these warriors are the best thing ever. What do you think about the warriors? And someone comments, you know, they're slicker than, you know, baby poop. Then, you know, it comes across however the person reads it. And it's yeah. so high and it's up for interpretation. When in reality, like, you know, you could have been laughing the whole time you think in the thought and just been like, man, these tires just don't work. Like no hard right. feelings just don't work. And which, I mean, that, that is though people which like I'll fall into this too, you know, like people, they spend a lot of money. They spent a thousand dollars on a set of tires. It's almost like in your mind that like they work good. Work. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Cause then it's like, you'd be like, man, those tires aren't doing so good. And they'd be like, no, they're doing great. But it's like, I just crawled that and you just struggled, you know, it's like, denial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. I mean, I get it from all different aspects. And, and what I'm talking about when I compare tires is like, like extreme conditions, like the, I mean, if you guys watch the videos, it's the hardest trails we can find. So, and these other tires would probably be great for, you know, an average trail rider hitting some hard trails. But like when we set out to go across country and nail the hardest stuff we can find, like it's pretty important for us to have a tire that makes it possible for us. You know what I mean? Well, you want to use all the, all the advantage that you can. You don't want to have something against you if you can help it. Yeah, right. Uh, and I understand that. But moving on from the Warrior, uh, again, I have had experience with most every tire. And I noticed in the Trail 39 or the Winrock Trail 39 video, uh, yep. one of your buddies was running the K9. And you did mention that it was like the couple days before Christmas, everything was iced over. Yeah. And he looked to have a little bit of issues. And I wanted yeah. to ask about it because I have about, a, I, so I, have, I have a couple sets and my set of 30s, I've got 700 miles on, and my set of 32s probably only have like 40 or 50 miles on. I just I just got them recently. Um, mine are both in the standard compound, and okay. this this is why I'm always interested in what people think, though, because I haven't gotten a set of intermediates yet. I'm I'm it's something I'm going to get before the race season starts, and I'm going to you know give them another review and things like that. But I really wanted to get some time on the standards because. Uh, the 30 inch tall tires, they worked really well for general purpose stuff for me. Uh, the 32, yeah. it's really interesting, like just in general, how going from a 30 to a 32, regardless of tire, how much of an improvement it is. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, not only is, the, is it the ride height and the clearance that you gain, but you gain so much more meat to the tire that it's I was blown away. I'd, I'd run 32. Not only, not only does it do that, but like it improves the ride, which a lot of people don't really think about is, you know, it's so much bigger than that little rock that's this big that gets you buck because it's yeah. a little tire. You know, it, it helps. Everything helps. But yeah. But what I want to say is that, you know, uh, 
having just the meat of the tire there to grab onto extra things, it's going to help all the way through. Um, but I wanted to ask because I saw, you know, pretty much any wet rock he had issues with. Was it on yeah. the standard or the intermediate compound? So he's running the intermediates. Okay. And, uh, and he's aired down to somewhere seven, six mm -hmm. to eight range. And yeah. he actually had a, um, a puncture on the way to that trail, which was in the beginning of, I think it was our very first wind rock series. So he was kind of hesitant to air down any, any lower, you know, mm -hmm. and they, I, the one thing I will say though, is they, they do run true to size, which is something that I didn't mention about the Rockzilla, but the Rockzilla does not run true to size, at least from what I understand, the 15 inch rim tire, because it's a later model tire, it uh, it's running more true to size than the 14 inch rim tire. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna put out there, the canines, I mean, it seems like from what I understand, they do run true to size, which is obviously a big plus size, plus side of them. And uh, and they, they seem like they last pretty long. I mean, we haven't ran them, but it doesn't seem like it's a rubber compound like the like the warrior that we talked about that mm -hmm. kind of just like fell apart and was bald right away. So at least you know it's not not doing mm -hmm. that, which is super cool. But and yeah, I mean, I uh, I haven't ridden with the standard compound, just the intermediate intermediate. And I would say that the, you know my first inclination is that the intermediate should definitely outperform the standard. So I would you know it's it's kind of one of those things where like. I haven't gotten my hands on a set. I've gotten to like touch them on somebody, but it's one of those. And I, one more question I had for you. Uh, was he running 32 or 35? Those are 35s. Okay. Now I'll say this and I, and super grip. You're not listening. I hope uh, <laughs> they had a bad batch of 35s when they first came out. Um, there were, there were a few pictures I saw where like, you know, some of the threads and stuff were coming out. Um, what they've done here in the past, like couple months is they, during the coronavirus, all the factories and everything had a huge downtime. Uh, so they actually came out with a new version, like a 2.0 okay. version. So it's the K9 XT. And it's actually, uh, it's supposed to have, you know, I don't know how you come up with a number exactly. And, and you know, I'm, again, if you guys think I'm, un, if you guys think I'm biased on my sponsorship, here we go. I don't know how you come up with like a performance gain by, by moving and adding rubber around in the sidewalls. Yeah. Uh, I will say that the sidewalls for my 30s um, were super tough. I made a huge mistake a couple times, and they're the older version, uh, running them at like two pounds on like a rock trail, and like, talking, dude, ate them to pieces and was just like stressed. I was like, for sure, I had lost all my <laughs> life. It was, yeah. it was just one of those things. I, w I wasn't looking until uh, I got there, and I was halfway through the trail, and I was like, huh, I'm riding on my wheels. Um, but <laughs> That's my, yeah, again, they all hold air, which is amazing. The 32s, though, are the XT. And the compound is still super firm because I have the standards, like I said. But the the manner in which the sidewall was moving around, I really felt a huge, a huge gain. It may be that it was the 30 to 32 difference. So I'm trying to be like super unbiased and a yeah. little more skeptical about it. Um, because again, you know, your, your recommendation is everything. Um, right. I will say that I had a couple people, uh, you know, maybe more than one have a couple issues out of the 35s and, uh, we'll see. I, I, I have a picture. I'm actually going to, I want to show you here, uh, okay. the, because I had a buddy or a, a friend of mine that I go ride with who went to, um, Sand Hollow recently 
and these are intermediate. Oh man, that's not going to show up, is it? I can see that. They're so those are pretty uh, chewed up. Yeah, yeah. Wish, maybe hang on a second. Maybe can I do this here? I'm gonna go dark here. I don't think I don't think I, it's not gonna work. Uh, I'll post this <laughs> with, the, with the podcast. Like uh, I'll put it in the comments of the podcast so you guys can look at it on social media. But anyways, um, it seems to be a much softer, much higher performing tire. And he's been super pleased with them, and I really value his opinion. So I'm going to get a set. Long story short, uh, I'm very hopeful for the new version of the tire. So we'll see. Yeah, how he it. was he was running the old version too. So yeah. um, can't speak on the new one. Haven't ridden with him at all. Um, but we are on the subject of of tires. Yeah. I see Josh over there in the comments. So shout yeah. out to him for for sticking with us in here. But uh, he says confidence, just one word, <laughs> because. Yeah. That is the biggest thing. So he ran the coyote, the coyotes, the stock Turbo S wheels. He just yeah. switched to Turbo S, ran those, and that was the same trip that uh, that we were riding with the canines at Windrock. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I was getting at is like, it's almost unfair on Rock the riding we're doing to compare to the Zillows because they're just they're just really good. Mm -hmm. But the coyote didn't stand a chance either. So mm -hmm. I mean. You know, it was like the Coyote was similar to the Canine. Like it's a good all-around tire, but it wasn't it wasn't outperforming in, on the rock, which is which is fine. But uh, it was just it's just crazy what uh, what a bad tire, not not a bad tire, but what a a tire that doesn't have as much grip as your buddy who just crawled up something. What it does to your confidence, you yes. know. And, and yeah. it's funny that he said that because you know a lot of people don't realize they're like, oh, you don't beat your rig like you used to in the old one. It's like because he don't he doesn't move with the tires that you're running so it's like yeah it's, it's tough to it's tough to it, do that but it is and, and another thing too that you know i don't want to be this guy but like if you carry momentum tires tires help because obviously it's the thing touching the ground right yeah i think in in certain cases uh you know like I think that the Rockzilla is in a class of its own when it comes to like performance on rock and thing like that, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a, like a set of super grip canines that are super cut uh, that a, a guy sent me picture. They're posted on my social media. I think that on like the Southern rock racing series, hill climbs with all the loose dirt. I think yeah. that's going to be its own demon. I think that's going to be something wild to watch. So I think all of them, all of them have their places where they shine, but in general, with enough momentum and like, you know, driver, driver capability, I guess is the right way to say it. You can pretty much make it through anything with, yeah, I mean, like I watched yeah, right. on, on 39 with coyotes and he was, dude, he made it. He was doing fine. You know, he had a yeah, couple right. of issues, but end of the day, he was still able to go from point A to point B. And I think people get really fixated on having the perfect setup or this or that. And, and it's easy, like, it's fun to have these discussions, but at the end of the day, like, it all works, you know? Yeah. There's, very, there's very few things that will not let you go from point A to point B. Yeah, right. I guess yeah. it just depend, depends if you're willing to take that bypass or not. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you might get to the end of that trail, but did you hit the gnarliest line? Yeah. But no, also, no, was no. the gnarliest line smart for my diff and drive shaft? Probably not, you know? <laughs> no, I <laughs> get it. With all that grip, you know, like it. That doesn't that ain't good for the drive line. That's for I was sure. about to say, there's pros and cons. You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. let me ask you this: uh, at, at, when you got the X3, you go trail riding with it. What is the biggest? I guess you would say the first, the, the most prominent thing you notice about the X3 
pros and cons. Pros, and this is something that, um, you know, I've had mine for a year and a couple months now. So mm-hmm. there wasn't that many people at least sharing info like rock crawling on X3. Like they were, I think that's when they started to take over like KOH, but that's not even really crawling too much. No. Um, you know, that's a lot of momentum, which, but so my biggest thing that stuck out to me and I was shocked on was how low the low range was. I don't know how much you really are familiar with that, but mm-hmm. the low range is geared down low enough to where it's like, it's like a Jeep geared down with, you know, 538 gears in a rock garden section. Like I've, I'm on my original belt. I literally changed it, but I changed it because I was like, man, that thing's gotta be getting old. You know, like we're, mm-hmm. we're straight rock crawling, like getting all bound up on three foot rocks and stuff. And, and it's original belt. Cause the low, they just got that figured out. That's probably one of the biggest pros. I mean, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, and the, the engagement on the flip side, uh, razors, you know, generally are thought of to be geared way too high. Yeah. Yeah. Which both of the turbo S's on our channel have gear reduction yeah. for, for that exact reason. I mean, they, you know, and it's fine. Like I've said this whole time, it all mm-hmm. depends. You know, we get a lot of, uh, criticism in the comments. I'm sure you know all about it, but you know, it, it's fine for a lot of people, but when you're hitting the hardest trails, you know, like, yeah, I mean, you don't want to just be smoking a 200 hour belt every time you go ride, you know what I mean? So, yeah. and, and speaking of comments again, we, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, do you read comments on your YouTube videos? Yeah, I do. Um, don't do it. You can't. You can't do it. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. You gotta. Yeah. You, you gotta connect to like the viewer. I am looking for criticism. Like, sure. I want to make the videos better. You know, like I want to listen to to some of the comments. I mean, some yeah. of the comments are pretty wild, but I mean, for the most part, you know, the the funny part is, is you know, ninety five percent of our comments on every video are are great, you know, hyping, hyping you up, use videos of the best, blah, 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 which is so rad. Like, I love reading that stuff. Yeah. But then there's there's that 5% where they're just they're just it's digging perfect. into you. Just shut the <laughs> heck up and film. It's like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of highlight channels and compilation videos out there. If that's what you're after, like, go watch those. You know, like, yeah. we're here to bring you guys along on the trip, on the ride, explain the parts we're running, what we're breaking, you know, mm-hmm. so people can relate to what parts work and don't work. And, but, but for some reason, back to what you said, I find myself dwelling on those, that 5% of the people talking crap, which yeah. I know I shouldn't, but. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard because obviously you're going to want to look and like you want constructive criticism. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, there's a fine line because. Yeah. There's a fine line of putting all the effort into these, this yeah. video. And then you just get roasted in your own yeah. section. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. And, and, even, and even still, like, you know, there's a point where, like, I, I would say that both you and I are still very much in the, uh, you know, small, small operation. You know, we're yeah. still, we're like, I know people that listen to my podcast. Like, I can name you a handful of people that, you know, I'm close with and things like that. And uh, it's a very active community. And eventually it gets to a point, you know, where you get to like a, uh, you know, busted knuckle with a million people on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. At that point, you can kind of not go into the comments anymore and you can just expect that people are going to watch it. Being smaller, it is different because you have to go in, see how things are, and then kind of come back. Yeah. And, and I, I am, I have not mastered the art of t- 
taking someone's direct insult well. Uh, because <laughs> I, I'll say this, I, I, I just looked a second ago. I have 56 messages in my Instagram inbox and like 25 in our Facebook and they're just comments from people. And I, I just don't even look at them. I got to like, I got to get ready for it. Cause sometimes, man, you'll just read them and they're like, like I have one guy who messages me. I've said it on the podcast before after every <laughs> single episode and he just wants to talk shit to me the entire time. <laughs> really? I'm like, it doesn't matter what I say for a while. It was, I said, King of hammers, like made a, you know, super just small mistake. I realized it's yeah. big to some people. And then it was like, Oh, you know, the blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, Oh my God, this one guy. So I started pointing it out and he stopped messaging me. <laughs> I started talking about him on the podcast. And he doesn't message me anymore. So that's, that's great. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it is what it is. I wish I was better at letting it roll off. Now I'm to the point where it's kind of funny to troll back to yeah. the haters. And yep. if you like make it into a joke, it's just like, yep. you know, it's like, it's like you go make videos if you think it's so easy, you know, like, yeah. like we were, we were on the gnarly rock crowd trail at um, hog pride. Uh, I think it was, I think it was either Merlin or, or fatty's crack two gnarly trails. And they, they weren't that difficult, you know, but our rigs are set up for that. So it's like, they almost make it look easy crawling these trails yeah. but like a normal rig without high clearance suspension and stuff or sticky tires. Like it's not going to do very well. And, you know, we'll get the comment. You guys call these trails, you know, it's like, and, like, and you know, like you have to deal with the fact that, uh, you know, video pictures never translate to scale anything. Like, I know that was my response. I'm like, Hey man, I'm like, go film the, the next hard trail that you hit. And then look at it on your phone. You're gonna be like, oh wow. Yeah. You know, it's my favorite thing is when I was I was dating my wife, I had a rock bouncer and I would take a picture of this hill, like monster hill that I just climbed, like you know, super big balls, and I'd come home and be like, I climbed this, and she's like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, Okay, I get it, you don't care, but it's huge. She's like, I'll be honest, it's like, you know, kind of looks like the trail that we wrote at Adventure. And I'm like, which one? She's like, you know, the, the gravelly one. And I'm like, the G1? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. My my confidence in myself is just so low. <laughs> That's funny. So AOP, is that what you were talking about? Yeah. Have you guys been there yet? No, but that's uh, – we've been slowly but surely knocking off the parks off of our list. Yeah. And, uh, and that's one on our list for sure. But it's um, – it is I – don't, I don't know normally – so it is the park that I go to most often. I'll say that. But okay. it's also the least, in my opinion, the least side-by-side friendly park because right. you have like blue trails, which are, they're like, they're okay, hard, but the blue to black, it's not necessarily like steepness or, you know, one particular section that's particularly hard. It is all of a sudden the rocks go from, you know, probably up to your knee to up to your shoulder. And oh, wow. there comes a point when, you just can't necessarily do it in a side by side that well. And like trail 41, which is like their waterfall with all the crazy climbs off of it. Like 41 is an awesome trail and you can run it in a side by side, but you have to take the bypass because the regular line, you have to have like a 40 inch tall tire. It just doesn't, okay. you just can't do it. Otherwise saying that you're 10 at, you know, in Wisconsin, I don't know how long, maybe 10, 12 hours for you to get there. Yeah, it's like it's like nine and a half, ten hours. 
it's only 500 acres and I'm not sure that it would be worthy of a 12 or 10 hour drive. I'll say that. Yeah. So that was, I mean, we, if we were going to do it, we were going to do it like we did um, Hawk Pride and Stony Lonesome. Yeah. Which is the first time that we've ever hit two parks in one trip, but mm-hmm. it was kind of similar. You know, if we're driving, I think it was a little over 10 hours down to Alabama mm-hmm. and uh, it was like, you know, we want to be able to wheel for a couple four or five days. So we did Hawk Pride for two days, which mm-hmm. was perfect. And then we went to Stony Lonesome for three days, which was which was more than enough also. So Yeah, Stony's cool. I, I've only been yeah. there once. It's a really cool park. Yeah, it's uh, that that place was fun. If if I had to pick between the two, I would uh, I'd probably pick Hawk Pride myself. But really? um, yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just like the trails at Stony Lonesome. That for me, I have like this mental barrier of like if I'm gonna beat down my rig, like I want it to be on like some trail that I want to complete this trail, like mm-hmm. Trail Thirty Nine, like completed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when it's like you pull up to the bottom of this hill and it's just like a rutted climb up the top of the hill with a name. It's like, but you could have just drove around. Yeah. And it's, and it's like almost like one of those things where I don't know. It, I just really like the trails. So it's like Hawk pride had a lot of trails that were named. Whereas like once you started it, like there was very few bypasses. You had to get through that obstacle. And then like, it just gives like a whole nother meaning to me. I yeah. don't know. Like that was just my side of it. And, and at Hawk pride, it was like, a lot of trails were very cool, very rock crawling, you know, a little bit of mild beat down, but it wasn't like straight thrash or mm-hmm. the gravel trail. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It was a very good medium between there. So honestly, I think we talked about it a little bit before we went live here, but that's probably, probably number one of all the parks I've went to. Wow. So yeah, give me a quick run of everywhere you've been because that's a pretty big statement to say that. It's like, it's tough because, you know, uh, I'm, that was the first trip I've ever gone with like, I'm running a halo 30 with RCVX is like full built, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was able to kind of beat it down more than, more than typical without failure, you know? So obviously that plays into like the fun factor, obviously, but you know, we've been to Brimstone. We've been to Windrock a couple times, two or three times. We've been to Windrock. Mm-hmm. We went to Royal Blue and Tackett together, so that was a trip. Um, we went to Moab. We've been to S'more okay. uh, in Missouri. Mm-hmm. We have been to the our like local park. It's three hours from us, which is the Badlands. Oh uh, yeah. Um, we've been there obviously a million times. Um. Trying to think, I think that I think that wraps up a lot of the parks we've been to. I mean, that's a pretty good chunk of them, you know. Yeah, well, I'd say you hit a pretty good chunk of the. I mean, the, you know, if you were to highlight the areas or, or the parks in that area, you hit the you hit the highlights. Um, that's pretty good, man. That's that's a big statement for Hawk Pride in comparison. Yeah, to like have never have never having never gone to the Badlands and things like that. Like you know, that's an Ultra Four park. That's a a Jeep park that has like, you know, these legend in my opinion, like legendary zones where like you need to go one time of the year, things like that. So I don't know, man. Um, I just seen, I just seen Billy chime in there. He, uh, we went to black mountain also uh-huh. and dirty turtle. So what do you think of dirty turtle? honestly, it was really fun. Like uh, if, if you're willing to hit some of them big, nasty, like bouncer climbs, mm-hmm. um, it's a riot. Other than that, you know, there's not much to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
we uh, we had our cages built at um, at Razor Sharp Customs, Justin Frazier. Yeah. And when we picked him up, we went uh, to Dirty Turtle because it was only like 20 minutes down the road. So we kind of made it a weekend out of it. And, uh, and we didn't go on like an event weekend. Like we said, we were picking him up just for the cages. But we ended up hitting a couple of those bouncer climbs, which is the first time we've ever hit like a rock bouncer climb, you know? Yeah. And, and man, that's just no joke. And and those that wasn't even the gnarly ones. The the bouncer yeah. climbs at Hawk Pride are just those are mind blowing to me. Like I don't even understand how. Well, actually, I don't think a rig's ever been up the one at Hawk Pride, but I've seen you know Bobby Tanner freaking launch into the sky off of it a couple times. But yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you this: if you go to Adventure, uh, give me a call and I'll, I'll meet you down there. First off, if okay. I can, if I can get away, I'll meet you down there and we'll go yeah. ride. Um, Cause there's, you know, I'm in an old, I'm in a 1000 XP. I'll say that. So I will be taking most of the bypasses. But I, will <laughs> not, I will gladly take you through everything. Um, some of the hills at AOP, like they have like $50,000 cash hills and stuff like that. Um, those are good. The hills at Windrock, you know, I think it's been probably two or three years since I've actually been to the bouncer side of Windrock. Okay. And at one point, you know, they're, they're all straight up. But at Winrock, they had cut, they dug it out. So it was concaved out. And okay. the very top of the hill shot backwards, like just ever so much, probably about 12 inches of backwards. And I was just really? like, how? How do you even get over that? <laughs> and then you, you know, you see a video and it's like, oh, it's, you know, you look at the video and it's just like a long, steep climb. You yeah. get there in person and it's like, the people who drive this are insane. And yeah. A lot of my interviews were with bouncer guys in the beginning, and I was more commonly than not. I just would ask them, I'd be like, "Why do you do this? What makes you want to do this? Do you like? Did you used to do meth, and now you need another <laughs> another like, like adrenaline, or yeah. do you not value being alive? Like because these guys, man, like I, you couldn't pay me to hit those hills at Dirty Turtle. The punishment is unreal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually rolled mine twice at Dirty Turtle with the fresh cage on uh, on two of those climbs. You know that gnarly like concrete ledge uh, yes. with the with like the tire trucks or whatever, like yeah. the I don't know, but it was that thing, and I hit yeah. that and got buck, and I I was like ninety percent throttle when I committed, and it needed that hundred percent because when I rolled it back over and hit it again, yeah, so I'm like I gotta make that. You know, I got the front yeah. end up and just matted it, and then I made it. So it's like commitment is so big, and uh, and and I don't know. It, I mean, it, it's fun, but I I see somebody over there says top three parks. That was kind of where I was gonna go with that hot yeah. pride statement. Um, that's so tough, but I'd say I want to say hot pride is probably number one, being that I just came from there. I mean, I'd pick it over Stony Lonesome, but that's not like talking down on Stony Lonesome at all, because that mm -hmm. place was really cool. I mm -hmm. mean, they had some nasty stuff. I mean. Who's your daddy? I think was the the one like bouncer. Dude. I don't even know. Like, dude, amazing. Dude, that thing's nuts. Yeah, like yeah. we didn't even look at that. You know, for, for those who don't know, it's like a it's like a pretty decent dirt climb, and then like a fifteen foot tall wall. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Like, I, and, but then you go watch a bounce like Mad Ram. You go watch his videos where they're hitting it, and they just woo right up it. And it's like, yeah, it's how crazy. you do that. <laughs> but then, uh, um, I guess, have you ever seen Stairway to Heaven at Stony Lonesome? Mm, is it is it near who's your daddy no it's uh 
crap. I, I don't remember what trailer it was once. off of, but I've been once, so no, I'm gonna say no. Oh, I gotcha. So that one was really cool. That that probably puts my uh puts Stony Lonesome. I'll call it like third on the list. Um, you know, it's up there too, but I think I think Windrock would probably be, have to be second. I mean, it all depends when. You know, we always tend to go in the winter, so like commuting to like Trail Fifty Seven or Thirty Nine, like the other side of the park, like yeah. sometimes it gets old, like driving in puddle after puddle after puddle, and you know we're not running like fender flares or anything. So, you know, that's, it's, that's the good water. That's that, that's that water that's been there for a couple months. Yeah, dude. And then you just get to the trail and by the time you get there, your jacket's soaked and yeah. it's like 30 degrees. Cause we're there in December and we're like, dang it, man. You know? So that's what, I mean, I guess take that into consideration. You know, I'm not talking in the summer. We're all in construction. I've seen a comment asking what we all did. We all do construction. So, you know, our slow time of the year for us is winter. So it's easier for us to get away on these big trips when we're slower at work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's definitely something that was taken into consideration is Stony Lonesome and Hawk Pride were closer to gathered trails. So mm-hmm. less like commuting and more just like technical, like slower paced stuff, which is cooler when it's super cold outside, you know, mm-hmm. cause you're yeah. not going 20 or 30 with wind in your face. You know, we don't have enclosures or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. but I'd say Windrock probably second. I got some gnarly stuff there. Um, plus the views are just, you know, amazing, you know. But um, I, I, I can't really I, – I almost want to talk about S'more more, but the fact that I haven't been there in – I think it was – I think it's going on two years now. So it's like I almost feel like that one's exempt from the list because that one's got serious potential. That place was sick, but we were all on YXZs. I was – all three of us were actually very sick, like – with we all had colds and stuff. We were just, it was kind of miserable. So it's like, it was raining when we were there and, you know, just way less built rigs, way less capable. And I think that place has serious potential. So that might get up into the top three, but um, Moab was super fun. I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked that Moab's not in the top three, man. So you might be surprised, but like it was, there was so much traction there that, it like wasn't even like a challenge, you know, yeah. like we went up the hot tub at Moab. I actually borrowed. So I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Moab series or, or any of it. Not yet. So my throttle body actually failed on the Can-Am. Just a random part, you know, the one time I've ever traveled across the country to wheel for eight of days of course. is, is when mine went into limp mode and um, you needed bud system to figure out what, what was causing it. It was, it was a whole thing. I ended up getting taken out on day one of my trip mm-hmm. there. So I got totally screwed on that deal. Just a fluke thing. The dealer, you know, took it back here. It was still warranted even. That's how early it was. I only had like two or 300 miles. But um, anyways, starting to rant. So mm-hmm. I get in my, I got my buddy's rig and, uh, and I actually drove that up the hot tub at like the big hot tub at Moab. Yeah. And it's just like everything that that, like watching all the videos, like, I thought it was going to be so much gnarlier, but, and maybe that comes back to tires. I don't know, but it was almost like all the trails we hit were like, they were cool, but they weren't like that challenging, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't been there. I'd like to go. I'd like to go. Uh, really. I'd like to take a full size rig to Johnson Valley. Um, one day that's, that's on my bucket list. And I'd like to do the Rubicon in, in a UTV. I know that you can, like I'd like to do the Rubicon and I'd like to do four dice. Four dice has some really serious water crossings though. 
which I'm not sure that you would do well in a UTV. I think yeah. I don't know. Like they have a rainy season where they're up and down, but I've seen forties get swallowed by that. So, oh well, <laughs> yeah, uh, not it. But uh, I'd I'd like to go just bucket list it. You know, just go see it, be a part of it, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Moab is um, on there too. Sand Hollow, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. So Sand Hollow that brings me into that. That's you know mm-hmm. out there near. I mean, it's past Moab, but it's similar terrain. But from what I understand, it's a lot more technical, like rock crawling. Like it's just possibilities seem like they're endless there for the kind of riding we like i know the traction is going to be high but mm-hmm. i think it's a lot more challenging stuff so super excited to see sand Hollow. every every video i've watched which there's not much with utvs out there mm-hmm. but doing the rock stuff there's you know the dunes out there at sand Hollow, which is exciting too because we've never actually rode like real dunes anywhere so mm-hmm. kind of cool to to play around on those which is a big upside that one trip you know you could play around on the dunes but you can also do our normal rock crawling but yeah. um looking over here in the comments again i was you know i see josh over there he said his top three is hawk pride black mountain and then s'more mm-hmm. and for some reason i keep forgetting black mountain and yeah. um and uh black mountain i i don't know it might honestly bump windrock out of the, the, the second place Wow. I forget about Black Mountain, but that place is rad too. I mean, they got the views and the technical trails and a lot less commuting. I mean, yeah. it's just personal preference. You guys know, yeah. but yeah. Also, I've never used this little feature to show a comment on screen. That's pretty nice right there. That's cool. Oh, there you go. So what yeah. did you do? Click on that? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're oh. listening to audio only, here's my YouTube plug. If you're listening to audio only, we have a video version of the podcast and it's <laughs> on our YouTube and Facebook. Go check it out. Okay. And, uh, all that kind of fun stuff. So I want to ask you uh, two things before we close it out because we're just barking a little bit over an hour here. Um, yeah. First off, your growth of the YouTube channel has obviously it's well on its way. I've had you know numerous people jump in here and just be like, I love these guys. And I made a I actually made a little poll thing just to burn some time down while everybody was frozen in, and you know I put like popular YouTube channels up there. And I had like cool. five or six people comment on there and be like, hey, man, you need to check out Blown Budget, all this and that. I had I had like three or four people DM me and like, hey, man, you really should check these people out. And they would give me like That's two awesome. or three. You guys were always in there. Uh, Shout again, out to you guys. I'm sure you guys yeah. are watching. So yeah, thank, yeah. thanks for uh, thanks for supporting it. It is so rad to you know see in some Facebook group like what YouTube channels you watch. And it's just a bunch of comments like, you know, tagging us. So it, it's really cool. So yeah. Now, uh, my question is, do you have any tips for people who, you know, would like to either make content or how to grow a YouTube channel? Because, uh, I mean, you're now at the point where you have a sizable social media following and you're doing something right. So what would you recommend? <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Sure. You know, it means a lot. But I would say um, the biggest thing is – and. I don't know. I'm I'm not big yet. So like, it's hard for me to say like what worked for me, but you know, we're just over 10,000 subscribers at the time of this video, which is, was a huge milestone for us. Um, took us a long time to get there. I think I'd say like, just, just keep going and it grows, you know, like keep sticking yeah. with it. And, and I mean, the people will follow, I'd say stay true to, you know, to your thoughts on everything. Cause I think people really, really envy like, the truth you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it makes people like you as a person and and i i guess the biggest thing that 
you know, when I, when I started a YouTube channel, it was like, man, there's just not much out there that you can relate to what the people are running for parts, what they, what they are breaking, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was like my biggest thing is like, what are these people running? What are they breaking? And, and it was always just action, 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 which I'm sure some people do want that. And some people would rather have that, but I think storytelling is like the, the biggest thing to make like successful videos to keep like the, the viewer entertained. And obviously that's just my opinion, but like, that's what I like watching. Like I, I almost find myself falling off of, even though I love the action, you almost like lose the interest or mm -hmm. you're like, man, I don't know what driveline he's running. And yeah. maybe it only matters to guys that, you know, run super gnarly trails because we're always breaking. I don't know. You know? Oh man. I, I think that there's something about that. And, and again, that's what drew me to want to have you guys. Like we've been talking about being on the show for some time now and it was flexibility, you know, helps all of this, but also, I just got, I was like, dude, this is good work. And this is something new because, you know, there's a big push for like trail riding. It's coming, kind of making its come, come back right yeah. now. And, uh, you know, people aren't as, I want to say aren't as interested in the race stuff, but racing was, took a back seat last year um, because of COVID and stuff like that. So it looked a little different, but, you know, uh, I think it's a lot, it's very relatable to see trail stuff, but I might get some hate for this. I used to be a big in college. I used to be a big whale life fan. Like okay. I loved their videos and, and it's why I built off-road evolution. Like, I mean, you want to talk about like being a total fanboy. I went full off-road evolution, everything, because I was like, I've seen these products. I know they work. And the thing that I really liked about them was that you got to see the people. It wasn't just them, you know, hitting the trails and like no sound or no music or anything like that. It was, it was, you know, a story of how these people had this trip and had a great time and this and that. And I probably watched their Rubicon four part series maybe 500 times. Like yeah. I loved it. And I, there was a void in the, in the UTV side because there's people, you know, like uh, side by side videos, Zach Nash does an awesome job in telling a story and getting out there and doing that. You guys uh, did something it, it struck a new chord with me that I hadn't felt in a long time where I was like, man, like I would love to go be a part of what they're doing. I want to go out and ride with them. I want to go out and like, just, that's you, awesome. you guys have personality that's good and, and relatable. And it was something different that just kind of hit me. So I, again, I'm, I'm kind of telling you for feedback, but also uh, it's what makes your channel special. I know that you've had people comment and say like, why are you talking and things like that? But I think that's what makes it special. And also, yeah, I mean, I agree. I really think like that's the biggest thing. And, and when we started, you know, it was always like we'd film and we would just like commentate from behind the camera. But then yeah. I was like, let's turn the camera around. Like, I know it's awkward. Yeah. No, it's turn the camera around and like try and like connect with the viewer, you know? Yeah. So like they get to learn each of us and, and kind of talk to them like that. I think that's probably the biggest thing, at least in this day and age, you know, like the side-by-side -side industry, there's not many channels out there doing it, but like if you, you know, I'm an avid YouTube watcher. Like that's literally all I watch, you know, and yeah. big into cars and stuff. So like, that's what those guys are doing, you know, and it, and it works like the big channels, they're all explaining the story. They're vlogging, you know, they're, you see them, you're, you, you almost feel like you're their friend, even though they've yeah. never even met you, you know? Yes. yes. Yeah. I trust me. Like, so I listen to a ton of podcasts and I, you know, 
I saw something a long time ago and it was like a guy sitting next to a billboard and it's like how I feel when I'm watching, when I'm listening to a podcast and like the people on the billboard were laughing and he was like sitting next to them with his headphones in laughing. And it's like, you're, you're, you're in the room with these people for hours and hours and hours of, of podcast episodes. And it does feel like, you know, them. And it's so funny because I'll have people come up to me and they'll like, I did an episode with my friend of mine, Eric Hagen, and I talked about like my childhood where my family, you know, had money, financial, financial struggles and how I learned and all this stuff. I had someone come up to me the other day and was like, hey, man, uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool when you talked about your family, you know, being crazy in debt and this and that and like being able to get out of it. You know, my family's going through something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's I, super cool. I mean, yeah, just relatability. It was like <laughs> really caught me off guard because I was like, yeah. People, people, most of people just are like, "Hey, man, what's the best tire? Where can I get tires?" And I'm like, "Or where yeah. can I get parts?" And I'm like, "Yeah, and it's fine." But occasionally, I'll get something like that. And I'm like, "It's really cool to know that these people have relationships with you, but you have no idea who they are." Yeah, yeah, that is super cool. I mean, it it is definitely a really cool feeling. Which um, I just I, I wanted to touch on this a little bit, but. Yeah. It's like similar, you know, a lot of people say like they want to meet up and they want to ride with us and, and we get that so much, which is super rad. And that's why we did. Um, if, if you haven't seen it, go back to this summer when we did like a meetup ride at the Badlands, which might be a different Badlands than what you're talking about. Ours is just in Indiana. It's uh, just an off-road park. It's like a smaller scale, but it was super cool to, to wheel with a bunch of, you know, we had like a group of like 20 or 30 like viewers of the channel that met us out there. And it was so rad to see, like, they didn't hit the the gnarly stuff that that we typically hit. And it's almost, like, natural because that's our local park, you know? So we yeah. do it all the time. And it was really cool to get some people out of their comfort zone and, and really send it and see, like, what their machines are capable of. Like, it was, it was really rad. So, I mean, that being said, though, I know everybody wants to ride with us everywhere we go somewhere. And we get mm-hmm. those comments about, like, oh, why didn't you hit me up when I was here? You know, it's like. We'd love to ride with all you guys, but yeah. I mean, with filming, it takes so much time. That brings me back to another point of what's being different. And I feel like getting out of the car and getting that camera shot mm-hmm. versus just strapped to the roll cage is yeah. key. So, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. So that's why we try to keep our group smaller, but yeah, just want to mention that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the last thing I have for you, because uh, my, I can hear my baby uh, calling. Oh, no. Yeah. So, uh, where's the future for blown budget off-road? What does the future look for like for you guys? Uh, you know, what does 2021 look like? Um, I mean, I know our biggest trip that we want to do is we for 20. Well, I mean, we're going to San Hollow, so that's a big trip for us, but we want to try and make it to KOH, um, for 2021. So, or 2022, whatever year that falls into, you know, 2022, I guess. But and we want to check it out and we want to potentially maybe run it the following year. So I don't cool. know. It's, it's just, that's never been said other than me, Josh and Billy have talked about it. Yeah. Um, it would be super rad and it'd be super cool to make some content and like building up to that. And like, I honestly, as much as this kills me inside, like I wouldn't even want to drive because like the, the inside like creator in me, like the content creator in me would just want to, film and get the right audio and the right camera angles and like vlog it while we're racing, you know, yeah. UTV is what we would choose obviously. Mm-hmm. And 
I just feel like that would be super rad. I mean, unfortunately, California is like 30 hours away from us, but I don't know. It's something that, that we really want to do. Um, I don't know. It definitely won't happen this year. Mm-hmm. Could it? Maybe. But I think we need to go down there, at least watch the race, and we want to bring our rigs and wheel so that way we can at least like get a feel for the terrain and everything before committing to to doing it you know but um i feel like it would be super rad but it's tough because there's there's a three of us in the core that would want to drive yeah and obviously only one i mean multiple people could drive but to make like a legit team out of it you know we'd have to just pick one driver which which would be tough but um That'd be really cool. The other big thing I'd say for the future is I mentioned it once earlier is we really want to, our next goal is uh, I've been saving all the, the, the profits and all the money from this chat, from the YouTube and the videos and our, our merch shameless plug. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and we really want to try and get a, a machine with it. Like the next machine, you know, if Polaris ever drops that machine, we want to get that and test uh, test the capabilities and, and give that thing a punishment. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like that'd be super rad and, and, and it would have a big following, you know, um, possibly a different Can-Am. Talent has always piqued our interest, especially now that they got a locker out there. Um, I don't know. I mean, anything that we don't already have, you know, so we've got, yeah, we've got the Can-Am, we've got the Turbo S, um, we've got a buddy Mike riding with us with a KRX. So it's like, we want to get if if we're going to commit to investing in a machine, investing in the business, if you want to call it that, um, it's got to be something different so we can compare and relate and, and and give it the test. You know, have you have you? And this is the last thing I want to say before I, before we kind of close the door here. Uh, have you driven a Pro XP yet? No. Um, pretty good. Man. No, I, I've sat in it, but that's that's as far as we've gone. I. So I got in an X3 and got a chance to ride in it with uh, Hubert from Nitro Circus. He lives yep. minutes from me. Um, the the frame seems disproportionate to the amount of power you have, and I think that like the it just like it feels like a rocket ship, and and it's it's like apples and oranges when I try and compare these two. When I I sat in the passenger seat, he like blazed it through his woods track. It was something crazy, and I think that that is one thing and then i think you have the pro xp which is something totally different where you get the you know the tr- the i don't want to say true four-wheel drive like the canam doesn't have the option to have that but you know like a real different feel on the four-wheel drive the steering's really crazy like you can almost steer underneath yourself in four-wheel drive and, yeah. and it's a really weird like you have a lot of visibility but you're sitting lower than the xp model it's, it's a really just different machine that when you drive it, like I think they're kind of ugly. And I think that they did some things. That's wrong. probably my biggest holdback. <laughs> call it what but, it is. It's not the but when, when the people that are long traveling and like the, the, the more like bouncer style cages that you see coming out, like I think they look pretty good when they're, when they're wide with a low cage and stuff. I mean. We'll see. I've got uh, James Cantrell, who is an East Coast guy. He is building a 72-inch version to race in the Southern Rock Racing Series. And he's doing Ultra 4 with it. I want to see his and see what comes of that uh, because I think that'll be an interesting thing. But um, go, if you have access to one, just go drive it on a trail. It's it's just different. And, like, I haven't had the opportunity to drive a Turbo S I would like to have that, and I and I've owned an RS1, 
And RS1 is like Mario Kart. It's so funny. Like <laughs> Those dude, things intrigue us for sure. Dude, if you if you guys want to just like putz around in the woods and like go fast regardless of the situation, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like I always, I always talk about the steering being the biggest differentiation between all these machines because I think they're all fast and you can fix the suspension to work in any environment regardless of right. machine. But like when it comes to steering, some things suck at steering like rock bouncer chassis. They just suck at steering. And, you know, like there's to me, that's the difference. RS1, you turn it and it's like a it's like a bicycle. How when you turn a bike, as soon as it's turned, you're going that direction. Whereas like uh, my my 1000 XP, you turn it and it feels like a truck where it kind of like <laughs> it, it like pulls you around a little bit. Whereas the RS1, you like turn it and you're going that direction. It's yeah. like a, it's like a go kart, you know. It's yeah, very super nimble. Yeah, dude, I, they're fun, and I've seen them climb like rock ledges and things like that. It's like they just bounce on top of everything. It's, <laughs> it's very strange, but it's its own thing. But anyways, if you get the opportunity, go drive a Pro XB. It's a it's a it's a head scratcher because it's a good machine, and it's that's cool. I don't know. Anyways, there's my pitch for Polaris because I, I like that machine a lot. Yeah. I'd like to have one, but you know, we'll see how it all turns out. Uh, maybe, maybe next year. <laughs> I yeah, just, right. Maybe it's got the budget right now. Yeah. So to close it out, was there anything else that we did not talk about? I don't think so, man. I mean, I was going to ask you, that was one thing that I was curious about was what would be next for you for, for a machine. I know you talk about your XP 1000, but Maybe you kind of just hinted at it that you'd pick probably a Pro XP, but I don't know. If if but, money is no object, uh, I'd get a four seat Pro XP. Uh, I, I think my next machine will be a four seater, um, just because of you know never hurts to have enough room for the family and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, they're a little too small, so it's not super relevant. Um, I've never owned a four seater, and in like just general trail riding stuff, which is primarily what I do. Um, they're really fun and they're, I've seen them climb crazy things and maybe a turbo S maybe, but I really, really liked the driving capabilities of the pro XP. Uh, I've thought about an X three when I was uh, just fresh out of college. I had a job making way too much money, sat in a cube, like hated my life. Oh, dude, it was the worst. And uh, I was like going to buy an X three and a turbo. And like, it was one of those situations I was having yeah. a life crisis and uh, <laughs> The only reason I didn't pull a trigger on an X3 was that they just didn't have one in the building I wanted to buy it from. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to have one of those, but I would not like to pull everything out and have, have to stiffen the frame. Like I've heard you have to do at some point. Um, that's my only hesitation. Yeah. I mean, it's not too bad. You know, it's just, just the frame gusset kit in the front's all I'm running and it's been holding up great, which is, yeah, you know, just a couple hundred bucks and it bolts in. It's really, yeah, it's really not the end of the world. But you know, they all need something. You know, it's true. And and I feel like I'm a little biased because don't don't you know Hubert, don't get mad at me. When I went to Hubert's house and he got his new X3 before it was all announced and everything, he had it bare frame, like welded in everything everywhere. And it, granted, he was getting ready to race King of the Hammers. And yeah. I was, this is he's like, you pretty much have to do this. And I was like this is not something I want to do, you know, like, yeah, right. It looks awful. And like, I saw how much you have to do to take the plastic out or the plastics off. And I was like, I don't know if this was, 
Like this is not something I want to do right now. Maybe yeah. I have a little bit more time. I'll come back and I'm sure when I have my midlife crisis, whatever's out then will have four yeah. power. <laughs> so, Probably. Yeah. I, 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 what do you think comes next for these things? Uh, next. I mean, more power. I, I think. I think. I don't know. I think getting rid of the belts, even though it does well, mm-hmm. I think people might might go that route. I know a lot of, I know like that's got a big hype behind it. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the talent followers and the YZ followers is just the hatred to the belts. Yeah. So, uh, I don't been- know. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, I know, I know Polaris was toying around with that. Like that's been leaked or whatever, which mm-hmm. who knows if that's the truth, but I feel like that would be pretty, pretty industry changing if they could pull it off. I don't know. Who knows, man? The side-by-side industry is wild. Yeah. If, if that's true, you lose a belt and you gain a transfer case. And I yeah. imagine dropping a transfer case out of that thing was going to be easy considering like what it takes to get to like your, um, your bear, your carrier bearing and all that stuff right now. I just yeah. can't I'm trying to pull a transfer case out of there. Right. It's, I'm uh, not a hater in the belts. I mean, I, either. mine's been doing great, you know, with the right gearing and the transmission, the belts, they do really well, you know? Yeah. Not to mention, if you go the transfer case, if the patent is true, there's about eight U-joints in the driveline. Yeah. You want to talk about a vibration issue? Put eight yeah, or breaking them like I will. <laughs> yeah, or that. I'm thinking, so when, when I do Windrock, I'll go eight hours one direction, and we'll go, you know, just see how far we can make it hit trails on the way back. I've got like a conservative, like family friends that I ride with, and then I'll go yeah. trails with my other friends. But um on those trips, if something vibrated, I would drive it off a cliff because it would, <laughs> I would be so tired after having 16 hours. Cause we'll do eight hours, have dinner and then come back. And the, the back trip is always the best because uh, you know, we'll always do the hard part first. So that means that right before you get back to camp, you have the hard part again and typically yeah. like 2 AM, 3 AM. And uh, my family friends like to uh, allegedly like to drink. So it's always a little saucy at two or three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, yeah. That's Anyways, cool, I, I rambled. I apologize. Uh, anything You're else? Good. Anybody you need to say thank you or any sponsors, anything like that? Uh, I mean, we've just got a couple people backing us. I hope I don't forget them. But Custom Splice has been hooking us up with recovery gear, um, real quality stuff. So thanks to them. Um, Trinity Racing is helping us out with some exhaust stuff. So that's super cool. But I don't think I got too much other than that. I mean, we've had some little help here and there along the way, but, um, you know, nothing nothing too major. And I'm, I'm pretty bad at remembering that stuff. So That's all right. That's all right. But, so where can people go uh, social media-wise to find you and find all the people that have helped? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, on Facebook, Instagram, Blown Budget Off-Road is our name. Um, super cool to – we, we, we try and like promote the people that promote us. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. There's Josh right there. Southern power sports. Um, he helps, he helps us out as much as he can. Um, he's on Facebook too. He's kind of just a dealer for, for everybody. It almost seems. And, uh, he likes to help us out. But other than that, we're on YouTube. That's our main source. You know, that's our main following. Um, we post on there, I try to do a couple of times, two times a week. If I can, you know, I got a full-time job myself, so it's a struggle, but, anything is good <laughs> yeah right so um that's really all we got you know 
show us show us some love if you're over there and you're you're new from the podcast it'd be cool to see somebody that may have may have gained uh, and hopefully hopefully we got some longtime listeners from from our world over here so yeah it's always a two-way street man and it's always yeah. an absolute great thing uh next week on the podcast i think we talked about it a little bit maybe on the air i can't remember uh ct raceworks will be on the show next week so uh, looking forward to having alex reed in uh super rad i'm running some of their parts and it's been nothing but good to me so yeah well they built uh they built kyle cheney's king of the hammers uh x3 chassis so i don't know it's so i there's a big i'm not actually i'm not going to get into it because i need to <laughs> why uh I've yeah try to end this like five times and i keep going Dude. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. It, it's easy to ramble with people you can relate to. So it's me every single time. So uh, no hard feelings. But all right, everybody. Thank you. Uh, Blown Budget Off-Road, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Make sure you guys are subscribed. And thanks for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. Y'all have a great right. night. Thanks for watching, guys. See you guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. And if you're still around, today's show was powered by Super Grip ATV Tires, home of the Super Grip atv canine tire one of the best tires in the business again they offer two compounds the standard and the intermediate if you're cruising back roads and you like doing some gravel stuff i'd highly recommend the standard i have like 700 miles out of my standards and they're hardly showing a ton of like they're really showing somewhere but i mean it, they're brand new canines have one inch tread depth so you've got tons of life from that tire. It's just really, really great to have those guys on board because they're making an excellent product. Uh, the other version of the tire is the intermediate. The intermediate is going to be a softer compound based more on performance. You're going to lose a little bit of life expectancy in the tire. Not going to get as many miles out of it, but the miles you will get will give you more smiles because you'll climb everything. It's pretty cool. Glad to have those guys around. Great tire and uh, even better company. SupergripATV.com and SupergripATV on Facebook and Instagram. Next is RCV Performance. RCV Performance sent me some Trail Series axles. I'm excited to try them out. I don't have them in my rig yet because it's I had a kid and it's hard to get things done. Going to have those in here soon. Uh, RCV Trail Series has been designed and engineered to handle the most abusive conditions on the trail. With years of experience and working with the top drivers in the industry, RCV has been able to develop the ultimate trail axle solution. The Trail Series actual axles feature their own high-performance grease designed to withstand the harshest environments. The heavy-duty CV boot resists puncture and abrasion more than any other OEM boot. The Trail Series axle is manufactured and assembled in the great United States of America, providing the quality and durability you'd expect from an American-made company. Ensuring that this will be the last axle you'll ever need, the Trail Series axles are backed by a two-year warranty against breakage to the original purchaser. Warranty does not cover the willful destruction of product. All claims are subject to review. RCVPerformance.com and RCV Performance on Instagram and Facebook. Happy to have those guys on board because they make a kick-ass product. Next on the list is All Things UTV. All Things UTV pretty much has everything. They've got canines. Uh, they can sell you axles. They can do just about everything that you need. It's a one-stop shop for your needs, basically. The blow-off valves, uh, tender springs, inner fender liners, any kind of parts, seats, whatever it may be. All Things UTV can get it squared away for you, and they can make it happen for you quickly. Dustin has been very, very good about having all of his products shipped out very, very quickly. So 
I always commend them, always recommend them because they do excellent work. Next on the list is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. Happy to have those guys on board because they have made my back not hurt whenever I go trail riding. Uh, now when I go trail riding, since my suspension and springs actually work the way they're supposed to, I can ride a technical rock crawl, I can climb hills, I can ride the, the roughest trails at Windrock and not feel it in my back the next day. I don't know about you guys, but that ride home uh, from day on the trails used to be really rough. That UTV uh, shock tuning and maintenance that Chris has figured out, it's as simple as sending him your shocks, telling him what you want to do, telling him a little bit about your rig, and he'll ship them back to you brand new, cleaned up, maintenance, and tuned for your application. Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Facebook and Instagram. Tell them I sent you. It is 1,000% worth every single dollar. I would pay double what he charged me to get it done. That's how much of an improvement it makes. Next on the list is the very, very, very important Essentially Off-Road. Essentially Off-Road is starting to make production cages. Uh, I mentioned it in the pre-roll ad. I'll just tell you this, man. Blake makes has made Ultra 4 cars in the past, Rock Bouncers, everything. He's the guy that welds them all together, and he does it beautifully. The welds are amazing, and the integrity of the of the entire cage is designed in a computer, perfectly you know bent with a Dragonfire tube bender. Everything is totally square and perfect every single time. These are not hand bent. These are not handmade. It's even better. They're perfectly put together, perfectly notched every single time. So those cages from Essentially Off-Road are always going to be my go-to. I'll probably refresh my machine here soon with a new cage from Essentially Off-Road. Tell them Racing on the Rock sent you or just go figure out. Go get a quote. Go do something. Go tell them I sent you. It helps me out. It helps them out. Next on the list, and last but not least, is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road, uh, longest sponsor of the show, light bars, light pods, whips, wheel, wheel rings, a 25-year you-break-it-they-fix-it warranty, no questions asked, just the best in the business, straight up, that's all it is. They do not have a competitor that can hold a candle to them at all, and uh, best part about it is they'll give you 10% off the entire website, code word rocks, R-O-C-K-S, at checkout, we'll get you 10% off, take care of the tax for you absolutely just makes it all that much better uh guys i have nothing else i'm glad to have them on board infiniteoffroad.com and uh did a lot of talking had a lot of fun on that podcast and uh really excited for race season to start and i hope to see all of you very soon if you guys made it this far make sure you check us out on facebook instagram and all powerful youtube those youtube dollars y'all that helps us out big time so Thanks, everybody, for listening, as always. And uh, if you want to be on the show, shoot me a message. If you want to get your idol on the show, shoot me a message, and I'll reach out to him. But I hope everyone has a great day, and see you at the race soon. Bye.